0: We, we at High Life get the privilege of just hearing them, you know, week in and week out. And, and three of these guys are headed off um, to college, and so Taylor, she would over here will be the, the lone one recruiting some more people. So excited to see what next year has to bring. Um, I also just want to add a little challenge to you guys about the water project as well, because um, I've been the one that the students have been turning money into and kind of hearing what they've been doing. And, and these kids, some of these kids are really sacrificing um, a lot with this water project, um, giving up stuff. They've been selling stuff. And so I just challenge you guys just throughout, you know, the next whatever 30 minutes you have till that second offering um, is coming up, is just really think of some things that you can maybe cut out of your life, because the high school students um, here and some other communities have really done that. And so I just want to challenge you guys with that. Um, Tony and I rotate every other You Sunday on Who Gets to Speak. So I've known for a year that I was speaking um, today. And just really continue wrestling, like, with what? You know, what should I have to share? And I only get it every two years, so make sure it's good, and, and, um, so just kind of really wrestling with that, and I wanted to, um, and we've been at Parkway, Stephanie and I, well, she's been here long, but I've been here for three years now, and so I wanted to share with you guys just a little about myself and how, um, I grew up and kind of what got us here, um, to Parkway, and so that's my family, um, my little sister, Kendra, my mom, Rhonda, and my dad, Brian, and I grew up in a pretty Christian home, um, My dad grew up Catholic. Uh, My mom was a believer, but no one really was doing anything for their faith. We were just Christian by definition. Um, Growing up, my mom decided to put me into a Christian preschool, um, not really for the education, but more just for being a safe place. She really thought that the public school system was unsafe, so she wanted me to be in a safe environment. She ended up being a preschool teacher there, now she's still working there as a librarian, a computer teacher. My dad ended up being the girl's um, basketball coach for years, so I really got involved in the school. But in the very beginning, our, our motivation for being there was solely just for me to stay safe because the public schools were bad. We'll put him in the Christian school; he won't do anything bad. I still able was still able to find some bad in the Christian school to do. Um, sports were a huge part of my life um, growing up. Basketball was the first ball was the first word I ever said. If it was round, it could be a circle on a piece of paper. It was a ball. Anything that was round was a ball to me. Um, I can remember playing basketball before I could even walk. Um, my dad played basketball in high school, and he just continually fed me with a ball. Um, our times of hanging out as a family all revolved around sports. I've been a diehard Laker fan since I can remember. Thank you. We'll pray for some of you guys' salvation still. It's okay. Okay. Um, But family times were around basketball, either going to, you know, my little Pop Warner games or watching um, the Lakers win some championships on the TV. Um, I know, I know. Um, And the preschool I went to ended up being the only school that I ever attended. I ended up going to elementary, middle school, and high school there. Um, and, And as I was growing up, I was kind of being groomed to this supposedly next great big basketball player. I kind of grew a little early um, than some kids. Got held back, so that helped me a little bit as well. Um, But just, I can remember we were in, I think it was like first grade, and we were doing like a skills test, and you had to dribble a ball. And so the teacher was like, you need to dribble ten times. And I was like, do you want me to do it left or right-handed? Like my dad just like had taught me how to play basketball from a really, really young age. My third grade teacher at this Christian school was actually the high school basketball coach as well. And so he had kind of noticed me in third grade, and, From then on, kind of worked with me um, summers and really started to groom me into, supposedly, the next great basketball player for Apple Valley Christian. And I loved being known as that. Really where my identity was lying is I'm going to be, you know, the next basketball player. Being all on the same campus, we had a really small campus. These were guys I looked up to, you know, when I was in third, fourth grade, looking up to the high schoolers who played on the team. They really just embodied what awesome was. And and I wanted to be that. so for my freshman year, I started to hear from some colleges and kind of all that stuff started to become, being true. I was becoming that great basketball player and colleges contacted me to, wanting to play for them and um, I started as a freshman and the newspapers started to jump into my story and catch on to this supposedly phenom that was coming through Apple Valley again in a little small school in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the desert. And So the newspapers started to grab onto me and by my senior year, I felt like a king, and I felt like this was the only time I could ever bring out, thank you, Mom, Um, the only time I could ever bring out my Letterman jacket. Stephanie holds it up in the upstairs closet, and I get to bring it out every once in a while. So, it still fits, by the way, I know, you guys are shocked. Um, (laughs) But my identity was really wrapped up in this, and I loved wearing this jacket. I mean, it could be, we were in the high desert, I mean. It could be 130 degrees on some days. And I'm rocking this jacket to school because I felt like I was the king. It was my all-access pass to anywhere I wanted to go. Um, I worked hard for every medal, every patch that was on this jacket. Um, By my senior year, I'd achieved a lot of stuff. I started as a freshman in two sports, eight-time varsity letter, six-time All-CIF first team, five-time team captain, four-time league MVP, four-time all-league champion, two-time state championship, all-state, All-American. Los Angeles Times recognized me as 18th in California, and I had a scholarship to a Division I school. And that's what I lived for. And I, and I say that stuff not to brag, but to really show you that was where my identity was from. Um, it being a Christian school, I knew about God 100%. Before games, I would jot down Bible verses on my shoes. We'd get together as a team and pray, but the Lord wasn't really anything in my life other than a class that I took in the middle of the day in Wednesday's chapel I had to go to with my shirt tucked in. Um, That was my really understanding that, God, this was what life was about. The name that was on the back of this, that's what life was about. was getting another patch on here, getting another letter from a college, planning on going further after college. That was all life was for me. And towards the end of my senior year, the Lord just wrecked me of everything I knew. Uh, We're in the second round of the state playoff game, and I took a hard hit to the ribcage and kind of, Didn't really think a whole lot of it at the time. Continued to play. We won the game. I get home that night. My dad was a big, like, let's review film. See where you messed up even though you won. Doesn't matter. There's always, you know, you can always do better. I just kept complaining. My rib is killing me. My rib is killing me. I said, I think I need to go to the hospital. I think I broke my rib. So we go to the hospital, and they check. And I didn't break my rib, but I had pneumonia. And um, they told me it was going to be no big deal, and that I could just take some medicine, rest, I'd be good to play in the next playoff game. So I did that, sitting on the couch just taking my medicine, probably watching some Laker games, watching some of the high school film. And then my mom came in one afternoon, and I was passed out. And I was unconscious. She called 911. See, what had happened is they'd given me the wrong type of medicine, and my lungs were actually continuing to fill up with liquid. Um, and so there wasn't any room for oxygen So I'm senior year, towards the end of my senior year, into the basketball season, about to go into the third round of state playoffs, and I find myself hospitalized. And and it was still no big deal. Like, we we got this, um, you know, we just gave you some wrong medicine. You're good now. Once they got me breathing some liquid out of my lungs, just a little bit of time, you'll be out of here. You'll probably miss the next game, but no big deal. Um, The second night I was in there, I can remember it like anything, Um, we had our next game, my dad went to the game, he's calling me on the phone, letting me know the score and what's happening in this, and and we won, and and the newspaper threw up an article, you know, that they gutted it out without me, and no noons, no problem, and after the game, the cheerleaders, the coaches, my teammates, they all came to the, you know, to the room, and we celebrated, and it was awesome, it just really, me being in the hospital wasn't that bad at this time, um. My hospital door was kind of like a revolving door. People who wanted to come say hi and get better and flowers and cards. And they even had a point where certain people couldn't come say hi to me because I needed to rest. And so they had a visitor's book in the lobby where you can say get well and I would read it later. And so I wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I kind of still felt like, hey, I'm the king. I'm the basketball star from Apple Valley, California. And look at all these people coming, you know, to make sure I'm good. Even though I'm not playing, I'm still, I still feel like I'm on the top of the mountain. And then things kind of changed. I started to not get any better. Um, I actually started to get worse. I picked up some more viruses from being in the hospital um, for so long. My lungs still aren't working right. Um, at this point, I dropped down to about 90 pounds, um, about six four at the time still. Um, my mom was being nice and helping with soda, but I couldn't pick up a soda can even. That's how weak I was. Um, during this time span, my team lost, and, and so now kind of that excitement of the, the cheerleaders and the fans coming, and that was gone, and my dad had been on phone with, um, you know, my colleges and saying, hey, this is what's kind of going on with Justin, and left and right schools are dropping scholarships, dropping scholarships, dropping scholarships. He's not going to be healthy. He's not going to be good enough for summer camp, and, and then by the end of it, I'm like, I don't have any school to go to. Um, I had missed my senior class trip to Europe. I missed my senior award ceremony. I wasn't part of anything that was the new thing. Yeah, that's how it is in high school. If you're not part of the, life, the last trip, you know, you're not anything. And so my hospital room now, where it used to be a revolving door, began to just be my mom would come in in the morning before work and my dad after work, and my grandma would show up sometime during the day. That was pretty much it. And I, and I remember this day super clearly. It was a Thursday, and... I don't know if you guys can see, but on the right-hand side of this, there's a wheelchair down there. And that's probably only about 15, 20 feet to that window. And that was my goal, was to walk to that window, sit in that wheelchair, and they would bring me back. So, like, two weeks ago, I'm running crazy, playing basketball. And now my goal, you know, as a 19-year-old, was to walk 20 feet to sit in a wheelchair. And it was just crazy. This was the day they let me know that I probably wouldn't make it through the night. And then I needed to start getting my affairs kind of together and saying goodbye to my friends and family. And it was such a weird feeling, and and I can remember it like it was yesterday. Just sitting there and thinking, what have I done with my life? What was my life about? And I'm sure in a room of this size with this many people, some of you guys have also faced, you know, kind of death in the face. And I think, are people going to remember me as just this okay basketball player from Appalachia, California, and and that's it if I die tonight? I I think, what are people going to say at my funeral? All these things are going through my mind. And again, I had such a wealth of knowledge about Christ at this time. I mean, I went to Bible class and theology classes my whole life. I had a really good understanding of Christ, but there was no fruit of Christ in my life. I was just living for the name on the back of this. Well, spoiler alert, I did not die. I made it through the night. I know some of you guys are on pins and needles. I made it. (laughs) So I made it through the night. Um, And by the grace of God, I was able to attend my high school graduation. It's pretty much all the guys in my graduating class. Like I said, super small. Uh, This group right here just meant so much to me. This is the group I started preschool with. Um, So we went to every single class together um, all the way through. It was just an awesome group. Um, The Lord gave me the privilege of sharing um, kind of my story my senior year at our graduation um, chapel and stuff. And this is something completely outside the norm for me. Um, To get on stage, I wasn't... That wasn't me in high school at all. Um, like I said, I could care less about chapel. I was just there. I felt like I could wear this, sit in that back row, and you guys were lucky that I was here. Like, your pre- my presence was good enough for you guys. Um, and, and that was it. Well, after graduation had done and, and still during this time, um, I was kind of on the high of getting out of the hospital. You know, people were excited and coming to see me, and I'm speaking, and okay, God took me through this, you know, low valley, and, but I made it, and it was kind of a high. Now school's over. Graduation's done. All my other friends are packing up like our kind of our students are right now and headed into college, and I'm sitting there on the porch with my mom and she's doing some gardening, and I'm just sitting on there just watching her do it, and it's, everything's starting to sink in. Like, I'm not going to school. Everything that I've worked for is not happening. I'm not playing basketball even. That's the only thing I lived for, and a strange car pulls up in the driveway, and this man gets out of it, and he's the Crosstown Rivals basketball coach. No clue what this man's doing in my driveway. And he comes up and talks to me and says, hey, you know, my brother coaches a college in Portland, Oregon. It's a small little Bible school. They'd love to have you there. They'd love to have you rehab there, get you back to where you can play, you know, Division One basketball. And I was like, hey, I appreciate the offer, but I'm kind of done with Christian school stuff. I've done this now you know, for 14 years. I want to see what the world has, and I don't want to play basketball for this little dinky Bible college. I want to play for March Madness, you know. Um, And so he left, and great conversation, but just not going to happen. And the next few days just continue to go on and on, and I think, you know, love for basketball, and I'd rather play basketball with somebody than nobody. So I went to Multnomah and, and met with the coach, and then Still vividly can remember sitting down in his office and saying, all right, this is what's up. Like, I'm playing for one year, and that's it. Like, you guys are going to help me get better. Send me to a D1 school. We'll all high five as we walk out the door one year from now. And he said, okay, that's fine. No problems. We'd love to have you for one year, but you still have to go to school. And I said, okay, I understand. What would be the easiest major for me to do for one year? He's like, youth ministry. I'm like, all right, sign me up. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So I do youth ministry, and, and... Multnomah did something, they didn't just teach ministry, they made you do ministry, and so the basketball team, we were doing ministry, and I really started to fall in love and and see how my my love of basketball and ministry could somehow, they can mesh together. Um, And so I I really started to fall in love with the school, started to fall in love with basketball, started to fall in love with this beautiful girl, was also, I know. Um, So I fell in love with her, and then on uh, May 1st, 2007, I swept her off her feet, asked her to marry me. Literally, I swept her off her feet like a minute after this photo. I'm still asking her to marry me. This huge wave came in and knocked us over. Um, (laughs) That's a true story. Uh, I was holding on the ring for dear life. I thought if I lost it, it was done for. Um, But she said yes. Um, We settled down in Portland for a while, and I continued to play basketball. And like I said, we were able to do ministry together, and it was really cool. Um... I stayed and played there for for a while. It's actually just a stage photo. We had more fans than that. Um, (laughs) We weren't good, but we had people who watched us at least. And this group became something that was really big for me. uh, Because like I said, we at Athletic Christian, we were great. We had a lot of skilled athletes. And we continually just played for patches and, and banners to hang from the ceiling. And that was it basketball was for me. Well, this group started to show me you know, hey, what's marriage like? Some of, them, some of these guys were married. Some of these guys had kids. And to really show me where basketball fell on the priority list. And so that was awesome. And I kind of started to get that understanding of, hey, this is fun. You know, like where I could lose a game and still go home and enjoy that evening and not be mad all weekend. Um, so these guys were just instrumental in my life. Some of these guys were in my wedding. And kind of all that started to figure out. And the Lord still blessed us um, with a few championships, which was awesome. Um, was really cool. But see, the Lord took my life, and he, he broke it into just a million pieces. Um, everything that I knew, he kind of rebuilt me from the bottom um, up. And um, I wasn't living for Christ at all. And in the hospital, I chose a life first. It was 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. It says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, but the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, I don't only me, but all those who long for his appearing. And, and that's what I wanted to say. Like I said, I was thinking back to my funeral and, and dying. And that's what I want to say is, you know, i fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. That's something I continually am trying to process through, um, you know, even today, is just fighting the good fight, keeping the faith. And as I'm doing this, learning how to fight the good fight and keep the faith, I'm realizing that it takes boldness. And boldness was something that we at High Life and and Quest have really focused on this summer, on how to be bold for Christ. And like I said, the Lord removed my idols from my life in a very dramatic way, but he knew it was the only way that he was going to get my attention. Um, But my boldness came from my abilities and my talents, and that's where I was able to be bold. Like I said, if I wore this into this room, I would feel so confident. If I came in just dressed like this, I wouldn't be that confident. My boldness came from these things. But we see in Ephesians 3, um, 11 and 12, where it says, This was according to the eternal purpose, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. See, we as Christians have access to a boldness that can move mountains, that can calm storms, that, that defeats giants. But oh, so often we rely on our own abilities, our talents, or our careers, right? So my question to you Christians today is, is where does your boldness come from? What do you find your identity in? Is it in your paycheck? Is it in your cars? In your job? The perfect family you're trying to portray? Your gifts, your abilities? See, this past year, I've had countless students come up and say, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to be known as a Christ follower at school. I want to be known as a Christ follower on the football field. I want to be known as a Christ follower in student leadership. I want to be known as a Christ follower in my broken home where my parents are fighting a divorce. I want to be known as a Christ follower. Students have been bold in saying they're willing to waste what the world has to offer for an eternity with Christ. I was just meeting with, you know, a cross-country guy um, a few weeks ago. who said, I think I might be done chasing this cross-country dream because it's just what the world has to offer, and I want to live my life for Christ. I don't want to waste time pursuing earthly treasures. And it's just awesome to hear these students say this, that they're sick of living life on their own, and they cry out to the Lord asking them to just break them and to mold them into something completely new, which is refreshing to me. Because that happened in my life, but not, not in the way that these students are doing it. These students are offering it up to the Lord. The Lord had to get to my heart in a completely different way. So back to us uh, adults. We, we Like I told you, I can go countless on and on about the high school students who are living boldly. But I want to come to us adults. Are we living boldly for Christ in our workplace? Is your identity in Christ found in your careers or in Christ? There's a saying that we have at High Life and it's remember your oikos. And the students hear me say this over and over again to the point where they're probably sick of it. Um, An oikos is a Greek word that means extended household. And, and I like to sum it up to them. as just the eight to 15 people that God has supernaturally and strategically placed in your life for you to share the gospel with. See, as the followers of Jesus Christ, we should be living in the boldness knowing that life is just a vapor. And, and that's something that I... Constant regret, is because of the things on this jacket, I had a platform to share the gospel. And I missed every single one of those. I could think back to some Peter Cooterly, some Wes Watts, some, you know, elementary kids that wanted to come, in, and I could have been great role models for them, and I wasn't. I could have shared the gospel with them, and I wasn't. I missed those opportunities. Because the boldness lied in me and my abilities and not in Christ. So my challenge to you guys is we will be able to work on Monday, and life's a vapor. We don't know if Tuesday is coming. Are we going to live bold for Christ on Monday? Are we going to remember our oikos on Monday? Because we don't know if Tuesday is coming. See, lucky for me, Christ showed me how quickly life can be taken away without removing mine, and I wouldn't want to wish that upon any of you guys. But a statement that I just kind of want to put out there, and I think it would be awesome. Is how great would it be if the people of Parkway Community Church in Fairfield, California, were known as people who were living, were willing to live bold, and do whatever it takes to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because I can tell you guys something: the students in this church, the students in this youth group, are doing that. There's a generation coming up behind you that's living boldly for Christ, and they're either going to trample you over, or you guys could start running with them. Um, And and so that's really my question is, can we live bold? The students have been going door to door and sharing the gospel to people. Some stories of just groups of guys going to Walmart and walking around and saying, hey, I want to share the gospel with this person. They're living bold for Christ. They're willing to say, whatever this world has to offer, I don't want that. And so I think that's a challenge for us as adults. I get challenged by them every single week, week in and week out of these students stepping out in faith and saying, my strength comes from the God who holds the universe in his hands. I will not fear what this world has because I know that if I can waste this simple, small, little time here on earth, I will have an eternity with Christ forever. And one day the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, join me forever. So my question to you guys is, are you willing? Are you willing to live bold? Are you willing to step out in faith? Are you willing to make Monday a day where you'll have no regrets because you don't know Tuesday's coming? Will you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are the God of the universe and that you love us each so intimately, Lord. And, and I pray um, that as we go into um, our workplaces, Lord, this week, that, that we will remember that you are the God that moves mountains. That you are the God that separated water and earth, Lord, and You are on our side, Lord, and we can think about those people that you've placed in our lives, Lord, and and that we can live boldly for you in those situations, Lord, because we know that one day you're coming to get us, and we don't know what day that is, but we know it soon, Lord. Thank you so much for these young people who constantly remind us to just step out in faith. They don't care what the world thinks of them. Thank you so much for the reminder, Lord. Continue to groom them. Continue to make them into the leaders of this church, Lord. to offer for